0: Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of 5 Minute Major Radio. Uh, tonight, no Facebook Live for all our viewers. Uh, we tweeted it and posted on Facebook, but joined by Matt Mastro via phone because of severe weather. Matt, how's it going?
1: Doing
0: well. And, and the prodigal son returns in Jacob Hunter Harrison, who's in person. He made it. He traveled through the severe storms to the good old Inman Terrace. Jake, how's it going? Wet. What You want You to speak up a little bit louder. For it's,
2: the going, it's,
0: going, it's going a
2: little wet. Is it a little it's moist a, it's outside? A, it's a little rainy out there. I know people know nope. that word moist. Yeah, I couldn't uh, I couldn't quite let the viewer see my face once more, but I'm here. My voice is here. Hopefully. Yeah, so, tribute. boys, we, we have
0: a lot to talk about. It was a busy mm-hmm. uh, busy couple, busy weeks, our last podcast. Of course, uh, whilst we recorded Elastic Mesh, last the Flyers were in the midst of the developmental camp. Jacoby and I were present at the five-on-five scrimmage Saturday evening, so we can give our thoughts on that and our thoughts on some of the players there. Um, And also on, um, excuse me, yesterday was free agent frenzy, and there was lots of a couple big trades that happened around the NHL, and also some very big important signings. And we'll dive into our thoughts on that. Um, But uh, we'll 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 weed off with developmental camp. Uh, Mastro, just since you weren't there in person, obviously, but, um, from re- from your reading online or any, you know, videos you may have seen on Instagram, were there any, you know, players or anything that you noticed from the development camp that stuck out to you? Um, not, I don't know,
1: not too much, honestly. I mean, I don't really, I it's fun to pay attention to, but I don't really read into it too much, um for, I guess, the upcoming season, I mean, I think for me, the biggest guy that I was kind of keeping an eye on was Morgan Frost, and I mean, we obviously saw what he did in the shootout, um, some of us live, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was awesome live, but, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't really, uh, I don't, I mean, a lot of the guys I feel like are, um kind of guys that maybe have another year, year or two or even three years to kind of develop in the system. And then maybe they'll have a shot at the Flyers. But I feel like there's only maybe a handful of guys, maybe like Morgan Frost, um, Will Farabee, Jay O'Brien, those kind of guys like the, the more recent draft picks, I feel like they're the ones that are kind of ripe for the picking at this point for the Flyers. But, uh, that's really all I was keeping an eye on. But again, it was cool to see everyone. Obviously it's cool to see some hockey in some degree. So, but, um, I'll let you guys kind of take the reins on this one because uh, you were there live and you got to see a lot more than I did. So whenever you're ready, just take it away.
0: Yeah, so it was actually a really cool atmosphere. Billy, uh, Flyers fans travel, uh, obviously, as everyone knows. Um, it was a pretty good crowded skate zone in Voorhees Saturday afternoon. Uh, Jake and I have uh, learned. I think we haven't. We only missed like maybe one year since we've been going. So, I still think
2: we've gone going every year. Since.
0: Um. But yeah, so we've always learned to get there early. One, to get a good, get a good parking spot or else you're not going to be able to find a spot. And two, also to get a good seat. Um, in years past, we've kind of been down, stuck by the end glass. Some of the one goal we had in the corner had kind of not the best view. But this year we were at the rink like two hours early. Um, bright yeah. and early. Early bird gets the worm. We had plenty of time. We but time uh, we ended up getting seat center ice in the Flyers' practice arena. So we had, had the best seats in the house. Woo. We were joined by... Uh, Ex podcast guest, Stabby. Um, he was there with us. So we all around, it was a good time. Um, and yeah, the scrimmage, honestly, it, it felt like the, it was two 20 minute periods followed by then an all team shootout. Um, and the, overall, I felt as though as the, the players kind of like warm their way up into it, uh, it was team white versus team orange. And Early, uh, you could tell that Team White had a majority of more of the skill, per se. Um, I believe Team White's starting line was Rupstov with Farabee and, um, and Wade Allison. And then on the other side, you did have Bobby Brink, Isaac Radcliffe, and, um, and, Morgan, and Morgan Frost on another line, too. So that was pretty good. Uh, Felix Sandstrom was the main goalie for Team White, and the main goalie for Team Orange was Kuro Ustamenko um, So overall, the action was very good back and forth. It was, you know, their hitting at the beginning was a little slim, but that picked up, and the skill really came to shine at times. Um, you know, obviously, the, the players just mentioned seemed to always stand out. Um, David Koss, or Koss, I forget how you say his name, but his hands were really showing throughout the game. And there were times where... Uh, Matt Strome, um, is skating so needs to be an issue. Uh, there were times when he didn't have the puck, he looked very lazy. Um, uh, other than that, you know, if things were really, really good during the game, obviously, you know, all the offensive players had good looks and Isaac Radcliffe and Morgan Frost definitely turned it on in the second period to win the scrimmage for team orange, um, yeah, overall on that, I was pretty. I was, you know, it was nice to get some hockey action in, uh, but Matt Strom's effort, at least during the game, was something to be concerning. At least, uh, Jake, what what were your thoughts?
2: Um, I mean, yeah, I, w- I would say that's pretty much just right over the head. Uh, for the most part, I would say the opening of the scrimmage it seemed to be, you know, I mean that opening line for uh, Team White or that top line with. Featuring Wade Allison, Rupes, German Rubezahl, and uh, why am I blanking? Now? Joel Faraby and Joel Faraby, uh, all top-tier draft picks. The Flyers have made selections for in the past, I'd say three or four drafts. Um, so it's always great to see that kind of talent collaboratively work together in a situation like this. But you would think, you know, going forward on paper, that uh, maybe Team Team White would have some some talent to showcase. With that line, but and ultimately at the beginning of the uh, the scrimmage, I would say that like it was very much a team white performance. They seemed to just be getting the chances on ice, and they took I believe like a, a lead or a, like maybe like about like a minute or two. Yeah, the they scrimmage. they led they led both
0: times until team Orange took the lead. They they won. had they I won.
2: think they had a I think they had a three a three goal they had, lead. They had a
0: two. They had a two one lead at one point
2: maybe late later in the second half of the scrimmage that maybe they had like a three to one lead after Intel orange seemed to have a resurgence of sorts I'm not quite sure but ultimately um if I if I may you know to, to quote you know a comment made by one of our other fellow spectators and friends of ours Paulie our our one of our men's league goaltenders he said there's a lot of uh There seems to be just like a lot of individual showcasing a lot of the time throughout the scrimmage you could tell that players were very much trying to showcase and like establish their individual skills and there was like there was a lot of puck carrying a lot of like sort of like uh how do i say it very decorative decorative not showboating but like you know like like the decorative play like you know kind of if i if that makes sense you know there was very like It was very flourished. There you go. Like, like a lot of like what was happening on the ice. It was, it was very much like, oh, like, okay, instead of simply carrying the puck over the zone, I might, you know, take it more to the center and I'll, I'll drag the puck through my legs and kind of curl it around the defender because, you know, that's going to look good. And if that works out, I'm going to make it to the slot, maybe uncontested with one guy, maybe to my left, whatever. What have you? But that's just that just seemed to be the dynamic, and up until maybe like the second half of the scrimmage, I would say that orange play had taken over, and they, they ultimately they played the team game in like like quote our friend Paulie again. I seem to think that that's ultimately where you know the best showcasing is completed, how you play the game as a unit per se, and I think as a, as a scout as a talent uh, monitor or the talent scout in the like sorry.
1: Developmental coach. A developmental
2: coach. No, and that's not. I'm, I'm looking for. What's the word I'm looking for? As a um, in, 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 an, in an analysis situation like that, or in an, like an evaluation setting. There it is. I couldn't. The tip of my tongue. Evaluation. Man, and what is, a hard word. Yeah, it, it's. It is Tuesday. <laughs> it, it is Tuesday. But um. Oh, somebody get this seriously, throw the book at me, boys. But um, yeah, essentially, in, in a um evaluation setting like that. I do believe, like, you know, the best way you could exploit your talents is how you exploit your fellow teammates on the ice. And Orange definitely seemed to utilize that to their advantage in the second half of the scrimmage, And that, in which way you got to see some underlying skills and talents portrayed through individual players through their play as a team. Overall, the scrimmage was entertaining. It's always a good time to go down to camp. And it's always, you know... It's always a, like a rowdy experience. The fans are always there. You know, Flyers fans always like, you know, it's it's still amazing. Like, you know, they're not like completely packing out the building, but, you know, the turnouts that they're able to accomplish in uh, a prospect camp. We're not even talking rookie camp. We're, we're not are training camp. It's a developmental this camp. Is, this is a prospect developmental camp, like strictly for like potentials or one day Flyers hopefuls to showcase what their potential is and grow. On an NHL or a professional level, and you know the fans are in it. You know I know we are in it, but it was it was pretty packed. It
0: was a good uh, experience. Even
2: even the Flyers Pete writers reported on it on um, how packed it was
0: and and gritty gritty made an appearance, which probably was a highlight for I think about almost on everyone there. Please be gritty was fantastic. Mm. Um as as always he came in was doing his piss poses and taking mm. pictures with fans and like sitting on fans. He uh came in and was definitely very gritty. Um, it was, it was a nice, and you, you could tell even some of the players noticed them. It was just an overall cool, it was a cool feel that you think the Flyers would bring out their mascot at a developmental purpose. Um, then moving on after, after the game, and of course it ended up with a 3-2 Team Orange victory over, or a yeah, 3-2 three victory over Team White. Um, once Team Orange got the lead, uh, they held on to it and never let go. Um, and then it went to a shootout an all-team shootout, and, all shoot and um, the way they did it was very confusing and was hard to watch at times because uh, they had both teams, they had two shooters, they used the whole ice surface, and they had both teams shoot at the same time.
2: They would run the, two shooters at a time at opposite ends. Yeah. So You had to essentially choose which one you were going to watch.
0: And sometimes, I think, wasn't it, not Morgan Frost and
2: Faraby shoot at the same time? Morgan Frost and Faraby shot at the same time. Which luckily. is like,
0: who do I watch? And luckily we, most Luckily us, I went me. with Morgan
1: Frost.
2: And I will go with Morgan Frost. Matt, did
0: you, did you see the time. highlight of that goal? Oh yeah, that
1: was all over the place.
0: Oh, Chicklitz even picked that shit up. It was fantastic. I know, I saw that. I saw oh, no. that. I took a tweet on it. PG-13 rating tonight, boys. Um, I
1: lost language, sir.
0: Uh, pardon my French. Uh, but it was like at, like the whole arena was like ooh. It's all right, boys. It's after Um, it it was you know it was definitely very very cool to see. Um, there were some pretty good shots made. He, this is where Morgan or Morgan Um Matt Strom showed up. I would say, uh, because you know he's got the skill. The only thing he really needs to work on is effort and his skating, and his the shootout. He had a pretty nice shootout goal too. It Wasn't as flashy and fancy as Frost. But it was pretty
2: nice. Um, he, he exploited uh, a strength of his, or he was able to capitalize on his skill set as a shooter. So that was definitely a, a highlight for Strom. Um, ultimately, like we had commented this I probably on this podcast this time last year at camp, how Strom just seems to be on the on the skating end of the game and just where his development is at seems to be like, I I don't like the word lacking, but he just seems to be a few levels of progression behind, like maybe the rest of his game.
0: Which is which is weird to me because Matt Strom has two older brothers who are in the NHL already and are established. You have you have Ryan and Dylan. Ryan's now bumped around. I think he's finally found a home, probably with the New York Rangers. Um, And then you have Dylan, who found a home with Chicago Blackhawks after being drafted second overall by the Arizona Coyotes. Both and both of pretty, them are pretty good skaters. Pretty competent skaters. So where, like, oh, what? what happened with your third child, Mr. and Mrs. Stroh? Did you did you just, did, did money get a little tight and you just didn't hire the coach that one season for Matthew? Uh, no, uh, no, 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 no. But uh, it, it, it definitely is a problem. It wasn't, I don't, with the Flyers drafted Lindblom, it was a problem. But you saw improvement every year. With Matt Stroh, I, Strome, I was, haven't seen any improvement the yet with the skating.
2: Well, here's where I think Lindblom is a little different because I feel like a player like Oscar Lindblom is in a circumstance where, like, like his development just generally and like the league he's playing in and developing throughout is, um, I just feel like his skating just naturally would progress. Like, you know, especially like not not to be stereotypical, but like especially in the European leagues, like, like skate especially like skating is such a key part of the game. You know, ice hockey just it's it's almost in the name, but you know, like ultimately like that European style of play that people like to reference, you know, it's almost, it, you know, it's He's not, it's almost non-negotiable. And like, those are, there's intangible factors that go into it. Like with the dimensions of the ice and just like the dynamic of how hockey is played, like in the Swedish elite league, you know, like skating is a very, um, very much like a paramount aspect to, to maybe the Swedish or the European game or what Oscar Limbaugh going to bring to the Flyers game. And like like you said, like we've seen great improvements with that before. Like I would think maybe more. So no, I'm not. You know, pardon me, but like, I, I would, I would say maybe in in yesteryear, a, a little bit of the issue with Lindbom and skating might have come from laziness, or just not maybe not so much laziness, but just kind of like lax play. You know, like that very much like he was, you know, a younger, more immature player, just like you know the good old coast through the neutral zone. You know that that kind of thing, or maybe just generally an, an adjustment to the North American style of game, whatever that is, and like understandably so. It was, it's been corrected, it's been rectified. You know, and I mean, we've seen you know, Lindblom's progression and it's all the way up until you know, his performance with the big club. But you know, Matthew Strom, really like, and and I don't want to, I'm not trying to belittle the man, but he 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 just seems to have this thing or like like what comes out or is stands out or that's noticeable to me is the skating now i would say maybe like what like it's a little bit different because i understand this is a scrimmage setting and like i didn't see i see him or like what he like what they were able to work on like maybe in drills throughout the week or like in like running drills or like doing like skating exercises like developmental work with like edge work and you know or speed or whatever, whatever they were going in these kinds of camps with that kind of thing. So I mean, he like, I'm sure that there's been an improvement. Like I said, like I saw him move, like, you know I mean? He was like, he was skating out there, but like, you could definitely tell that like more so like, he's not, not that he doesn't like confidence, but like his, his, I would say he's not the most agile on, on, on his feet. Like he's not like, like Matthew Strom to like a shift in play on, during a shift for Matthew Strom, I feel as though, I like, at certain ex- points an extents, I wonder if it's, like that's a make or break factor for any time he's out there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just like like suddenly like if he, if he's at like the blue line getting ready to cross the line and the puck goes out offside, you know, I mean at that point like you almost count him out. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean? like like it's just he just doesn't seem to to just transition well between like the back and forth and you know, nature of the game, you know. It
0: seems, it seems like when he had the puck, his skating was okay.
2: Yeah. But the
0: problem that I really saw was his skating without the puck. Right. He, you could, he almost looked bored out there. And if, 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 if you're looking bored to the average person's eyes in the stands, that's not good. Cause then what is your coach thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything other than that, you know, nothing would too, too
2: worrisome really popped in my head. Um, I mean, th- okay, so there are a few things I think we should mention, like just by the general format of the way the scrimmage worked. So the scrimmage ultimately was set up as an it was two 20-minute periods. I think you're right. So it was like two 25- or 20-minute periods, and this is how they did it. So, like, penalties would be called, but ultimately it wouldn't be like a result into a man advantage. Rather, they would just be like a penalty shot. But what was interesting about that, So th- and I want to talk about this, it's like they, what they did with this is that, They would have the player basically. They have the puck at center ice, and they'd have the player skate up, take the puck. But they would have like maybe eight or nine guys lined up on like the blue line. The rest, the rest of the skaters, or like the rest of the skaters, like lined up on the blue line behind the player, like taking the puck at center ice on a new penalty shot. And essentially, he would take the puck, and once he hit the blue line or crossed over into the offensive zone, they would start chasing him like a half suicide. Yes, kind of. And, like, I guess it was interesting how they turned, like, all facets of the scrimmage into, like, I guess developmental uh, experience or, and like, they just, a learning experience. Uh, it
0: was Frost who had the bounty shot.
2: Or, no, it was Jay O'Brien. Jay O'Brien.
0: And Jay O'Brien missed it, and they just picked up play after he missed the shot. Like, didn't even
2: – there was no redo, no face-off, no go for free It's just, all right, resume right. play. Right. Yeah, I uh definitely. So, I mean, I thought that that was interesting and, you know, like, key enough to highlight – and along with the, the way the power, or the, pardon me, the, um, the shootout went, how they would, like, they would run two shoot, two shooters at the same time, and, like, you had to sort of make a selection of who you were going to choose, granted, like, you know, luckily for I, or, like, you know, my fellow viewers there, I, I chose to watch Frost when he, you know, his turn, his turn to shoot, but, um, like, it was interesting, you know, it's always, like, you know, it's always a fun, you know, to watch, I guess, the players, like, showcase their ability to, like, you know, handle the puck and, like, their, like, their ability to get creative in situations like that. So, it's fun. It's a good time. You know, and, of course, like, you know, the, the icing on the keg, if, if there could be Gritty, of course. You know, I mean, I, I came for Gritty, so.
0: No, we had no idea who was going to be there, so you played uh, the cards right, my friend. I, I,
2: I had a feeling you had a feeling i had a feeling great gritty gritty's passionate you know gritty is gritty loves his team man i mean but hey you know what also i mean to take a, talk about that it's cool you know it's it's cool to see gritty come out you know because obviously there's an aspect of there's the kids there and everything and the family's coming out but you know it's 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 a free scrimmage you know it's it's something it's a good thing you could you know hey let's grab lunch you know take the family out like you know maybe we can see some future flyers out there you know it's a good hockey-oriented activity but at the same time you know it's cool that's got to be interesting, I guess, for the players or the prospects too, because like, you know, the gritty shows up, things like that. They get a little bit of uh, an inside look or like a a piece or taste of like the culture of like the city, the fan base, you know, like, like what they could be getting into per se, you know, which is, you know, definitely, definitely something to, uh, to get used to uh, the fans here in Philadelphia for sure. So all around good experience, good experience, but, uh, I think the conversation dictates otherwise with a pretty busy free agency oh, yeah. opening that market was there. A good yeah. secondary there, so, Jakey. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud I, of you. I've been working on it, boys. Oh, yeah. I'm working on it. For sure. Um, so, uh,
1: can, I, can I hop in here, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah please
2: please. wait. for. We, we, we've taken it away here.
1: All right. So, um, so, for our listeners out there, I just want to give a little precursor. Um, obviously, there were a lot of signings in uh, this. Free agency in the last day or two so um i think for for time's sake here we'll uh we'll touch on as many as we can uh in a timely fashion but um just to keep it keep it moving i think maybe we'll uh we'll kind of go round table style and just give like a a little bit of our two cents here on guys sound good to you guys yeah i'll just i'll
0: briefly just name the flyer signings real quick since we are a flyers team podcast um all in all over thoughts over all the flyer signings depth, borderline players. So they're either going to be fourth liners, healthy scratched, or with the Phantoms. Um, the Flyers already did their big free agency move this offseason when they brought in Kevin Hayes and traded for him. They went out, they got the second best center on the market, the only center who was going to come to Philadelphia, and they got him signed and taken care of. Um, so to all the beat writers, Sam I'm uh, not talking about you at all, um, and other fans of there who say the Flyers didn't do anything. They already did it. They did it three weeks ago. They just got ahead of the ballgame. And they brought in uh, Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun. And they brought in their pieces to add on. And they still have to sign ProBrov and, and Knetny. And so what what were you expecting the Flyers to do yesterday? Sometimes, sometimes... So it's just, it's just it just amazes me. Um, some of the people in this city that have media credentials. And like, you shouldn't even have a job. But... I digress. Going forward, uh, first sign was they signed forward Andy Andy, Andy Andrioff, center, two-way center. Uh, they also signed Curtis Gabriel. Uh, Flyers fans should know him as he's the devil who who boarded Nolan Patrick uh, in a game, I believe, in February or March. Um, then they signed Minnesota Wild ex good old Nate Prosser. Um, Andy Walensky. Tyler Witherspoon. John Francis Barubi, who's a goalie, and then um, Chris Begress, Kyle Kruskulo, and that was pretty much it. All those guys are death players, and uh, some of them will be with the Phantoms. Uh, Barubi is an AHL All-Star-level goalie. Um, with a lot of these additions look for the Phantoms to be really, really strong next year. The Phantoms may be one of the best teams in the American Hockey League next year. Um, but overall, you know, it's good depth signings. Uh, you're still wondering who's going to fit that third right wing slot for the Flyers. Uh, Justin Williams is still a free agent. Chuck, maybe you can throw him 2 or $3 million, I'd take it. But I understand having to see how the cap room fits out. But um, uh, Matt will go in. Um, give me your highlights of free agency. Uh, are we talking the
1: Flyers?
0: Uh, if you want to touch on the Flyers, touch on the Flyers. Overall, you can touch on the league in general. Any trades, free agent signings.
2: Flyers at the top and work your right way down.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I can sum up the Flyers in a sentence or even a word. would just be anticlimactic, just because, like you said before, Dave, they did everything already. So uh, just having them come into the deadline free agency uh, day on the first. Uh, I wasn't really expecting anything, but uh, it would have been cool, obviously, if they could have signed a big name guy. But like you said, I said before, they already did that, so I kind of just sat back and relaxed and saw kind of what everyone else did. Um, I will echo something that I did here on. Uh, I will reference Spitting Tricklets, where I think it was Whitney said that it kind of takes the fun out of things when like everything gets broken the night before it becomes
0: official. I'll agree with that, but um. I mean, it's, it's, obvi- it's obviously cool to see
1: everything develop, but it's, like, you have a feeling, like, this, this one day, these few hours that it starts, like, right at noon, that, like, everything's just going to kind of flood in. Yeah. But, I mean, the way that the media cycle is nowadays, obviously everyone's going to, like, put out the the new scoop or the hot news um, mm-hmm. as soon as they can. So, I mean, like, I wasn't there. really worried about anything because I, I, like, I had a feeling the Flyers weren't going to do anything big. But, I mean... Majority of the signings that did happen uh, officially on uh, on the first uh, yesterday were basically already reported by the the beats and like the the analysts on uh, what was it uh, Sunday, Sunday night? Right?
0: Except yeah. for except for Panarin, we all yeah. thought he was going somewhere else Sunday so night, he and he went somewhere different some, Monday morning.
1: Yeah, so I guess we'll start with him. Um, the whole, the thing I have to say about him. The, he was the, the top guy in the three agencies, so, I mean, all eyes were on him for the most part to see where he was going to go. Um, he made it known about, I guess, uh, towards the trade deadline that he was done in Columbus uh, after this past season. Um, and even, like, the GM knew that, so, like, they basically were trying to get as much as they could out of him. Uh, they got that second-round exit um, in the playoffs, which was obviously good for the franchise. But at this point, I mean, Columbus basically just lost, I think, two of their best players. And Panarin and Bobrovsky, Uh Panarin signed
0: And, and they lost to Shane. Yeah. And they lost yeah,
1: that's right. So they I mean they That was a given they're, there. Gonna, they're kind of regressing here, I think, at this point. But um just to give the details on the Panarin signing quick, he signed with the New York Rangers, um a seven year deal worth eighty one point five million dollars. Ching Ching eleven Point 0.64 million AAV, so that's per year he's going to be making bank in the Big Apple. Um, I think it's definitely uh, it's definitely going to make the Rangers better. Uh, they have they got Capo Caco, uh, the second over second overall pick in the draft that just happened uh, the other day. So it just makes the Rangers better. Uh, they've been trying to kind of I guess quote unquote rebuild in the past couple seasons, um, but. Yeah, they're going to be. They got the top three agents, so I mean, you can't really say that they're not going to be good to it's, some degree. Second like overall pick. They may not pick, be, may not be amazing, but they're going to be a contender now in the Metropolitan Division. So um, that's what I. Yeah, that's all I have to say about Panarin. I will say one more thing. I, I was thinking he was going to go to Florida, but um, I think a lot of people thought that, too, but obviously we were wrong. So um, he's with the Rangers now, which is bad for the Flyers, I feel, but I mean, it's bad, for, it's bad for anyone that has to play the Rangers at this point. I mean, Even if he was still with the Blue Jackets, I'd be like, oh man, like we, like Panarin is, he's a threat. He's obviously, I don't think he's really, like, I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't know, see, uh, it's hard for me to call him a game changer, because I feel like the Rangers as a whole still aren't too, too much of like a, a threat all around, but I mean, I will say they're going to be—they're going to be a a really good team now that they have Panarin, now that they have Kako, uh, Truba. Yeah, they got Jacob Truba. uh, Lundqvist is still playing well, so I mean, they're going to be a really good team. But I—I don't—I mean, I could see them in definitely in the top three in the Metro Division this season and making the playoffs. Um, But I'll send it over to you guys quick for your thoughts on Panarin. Oh
0: yeah, no, I mean, uh, Sunday night everyone thought he was going to the New York Islanders. And it turns out that the Islanders actually offered him a million more than the Rangers. Um, and I think what deterred it was his wife. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a big Russian community in Brooklyn where yes. uh, pretty much you you walk into, like, you walk into the... I mean, to the,
1: the,
2: Brooklyn,
0: I, mean well, I mean, What no, is the
2: real difference there?
0: Well, <laughs> I know. There's a part in Brooklyn, though, where it's like you're walking into the motherland.
2: i mean, like, I'm like, sure like, it's like that in any major metro.
0: No, there, it's yeah. like according they brought up on Chicklets, they brought up on Thirty One Thoughts.
2: Um, so I'm not the I'm not crazy, Jake. Um, no, but I mean, apparently, I mean, like, I'm saying you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm just in this cultural enclaves and small. Like I said, it, it's like that a lot of major well, of yeah. cities. You know, what what I mean, is. Brooklyn is Brooklyn is basically the United Nations encapsulated into a single borough.
0: That that is very true. But apparently, there being that big Russian uh, community in Brooklyn. Really, you know, you know, of course, added value to him going to the Rangers. And also, Panarin wanted to go to a, a good market where he, one, he knew he was going to get paid. And two, going to the Rangers, he might, he's going back to an original six franchise. That's what I'm saying. Let's call what it is. So, it's like, prestige. That, like it's prestige. Like, I played for the new, like, yes, I may have wanted, he's like, I've won a Stanley Coppher already with the Chicago Blackhawks. Now I'm playing for the New York Rangers. <laughs> that adds on to, like, the hockey persona of, of Artemi Panarin. Um, but, Jake, what were your thoughts on free agency? Any player signings you want to talk about? Bobrovsky in Florida, uh, Duchesne in Nashville, any of the trades? There was, there was a big
2: trade keep, yesterday keep, afternoon. Keep, keep talking because I got remember it all, dude. I have zero memory retention at the of 24. I mean, also, uh,
0: zero the Pittsburgh Penguins retention. Saturday afternoon shipped Kessel yeah, like, off okay, the why don't we, okay, why don't we
2: start? Why don't we start from the top? All right? So, the Flyers pretty much like cashed out early, did the majority of what they wanted to do. We signed Kevin Hayes, if we definitely have our second line center, what have you. Granted, a lot of the names kind of coming into the fold like, as of like free agency yesterday, I would say within the, like if this was like two or three years ago, like names like Andy Andrehoff, Nate Prosser, we might be a little bit more hyped, a little more psyched, like given. given a previous time period, you know, and given like maybe like a more like prospective development for those guys or like, like you know, ascension into the league would what have, you, whatever. But like, you know, like you said, depth all around. Let's look out for the fans this year. Great. So we have the Flyers. I mean, like not really no need to reiterate that. But, okay, so do you want to talk about the hiring of Nick Schultz?
0: I mean, Nick Schultz just sees our new – hes he replaced Ian Lapierre's old job, I think right vacant where developmental coach.
2: Yeah, right. I mean I, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I feel like it could do some good. I feel like, I feel like Nick Schultz had, you know, he's, I think he has, you know, something to teach. He, he's, a, he's a good guy because for a yeah. while there in Minnesota with the Flyers, he was always
0: a good veteran defenseman. He'll be good for the kids.
2: He'll, he'll, yeah.
0: be, he'll be a good mentor. Look, I played in the show for almost 20 years. Yeah. Uh, here's what I did. I was a reliable
2: defenseman in the NHL. Like, for 20. Years. Like I would say that that's like more than most can speak for. So like I mean, like I said, like good hiring. I would say you know I mean like and this isn't disrespectful to Perrier, but like you know unfortunately sometimes things come to turn. Like you know like like everybody has their time. It is yeah. what it, it is. What it is. Like you know the Flyers needed to go in a new direction. You know, and they're starting with the, the management up front, the coaching staff. So new, semi new faces all around. What have you? Okay, so. Off the top, Saturday rolls around, so like yeah, like the the Kessel trade breaks. Um, Alex Ovechkin going back to Pittsburgh in the return. Yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting maneuver that kind of happened there because uh, ultimately like you you hear the rumblings and you hit you hear like what's coming out of Pittsburgh and like the basis and the reasoning behind it, like allegedly, like some say like, you know, that Kessel's a cancer or like, 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 you know, and he's like, he doesn't gel with the locker room. Well, I, I don't know about that. I don't, you know, you, okay. hear, oh, apparently, you hear that he doesn't really gel well with Mike Sullivan, Jim
0: Rutherford, their GM came out. And he got released said, apparently that Phil Kessel released to reporters that before he got traded, Jim Rutherford, walked but Phil Kessel said, you will never be a Pittsburgh penguin ever again. So there was beef. There was some Arby's level beef between Kessel and Jimmy
2: Rutherford. Um, That's interesting. I don't, I, maybe it's just me. I don't. I feel like Phil Kessel doesn't strike me as the kind of player that would just have like a rip, like send a ripple like that through an organization. Well, here's the
0: thing. He's he's a very,
2: he's a hard. He's a
0: if you're if you're a hard ass coach and a hard ass GM, he's not going to listen to you, and. Toronto, Boston found that out. Toronto found it out. I think Pittsburgh dealt with it because he is scoring and he helped them win back to back Stanley Cups. But then once Pittsburgh kind of fell back down to normalcy, um, they found, okay, well, Phil Kessel, you are either going to play our game or we're going to let you go. Uh, they tried training the Minnesota, he declined it. Rick Tockett, who definitely helped the Penguins, when the Penguins won their two Cups, Rick Tockett was an assistant coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Tockett and Kessel had a very good relationship. And then Tockett right. moves on to coach the Arizona Coyotes, yeah, so and I, now Kessel kind of lost his happy-go-lucky friend on the coaching staff. So yeah, you can I mean, see where it, things it, started starting to go awry it in it Pittsburgh.
2: Seems kind of, it seems kind of – it seems very sure, like, you know. Uh, maybe maybe Kessel is the CI with Sullivan on the rest of the coaching staff, it creates a ripple throughout the bench or the team, but have you, he, he lands in Phoenix where i Arizona, his Arizona. Oh, sorry, Arizona where talk is his coach. Cool. Works out. You know, but ultimately I mean talking value, we talking like other than the reasoning of why Pittsburgh essentially shipped Phil Kessel out of town. Uh like I mean let's look at what they're retaining here. So they're getting Alex Galchenyuk and Defense
0: vim prospect uh Pierre um Pierre Olivier I
2: know his first name's Pierre um well, I'm, 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 I'm a so, I mean I don't know I mean so essentially they're getting a prospect would you say they're, well, they're getting Alex Galchenyuk I mean they're getting Galchenyuk but I mean as a for as a former set or not a former as a second overall pick in the league he hasn't necessarily like I guess he hasn't really made that transition from you know the the not, I wouldn't I don't want to call it hype, but like from the conversation and then like the, the the talk around his 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 well, potential he, his potential. And for like, so
0: long, I think Jeff Merrick brought this up on Chicklets today. I, I don't want to spoil their interview, but he brought up a good point, saying how he was false started so many times with the Montreal Canadiens that um, they never really played him at center. They always play him at wing, and then they go, oh, well, you're going to play at center, but here's Lars Zeller on your line. And oh, no, you're not going to take any defensive zone faceoffs. Uh, if It's important to face-off you're not taking it. So, but if he's a center, now you're not allowing him to develop. Um, now he's been battling some injuries the past couple of years. Uh, he had a really, really hot start to his start to his life in Phoenix last season. and you might have thought, okay, maybe this will be the spot where Chen Yuck figures his shit out. And then he got hurt. Yeah. And then it was same old, same old. Um, but so Pittsburgh got, uh, besides going to they got defensive prospect Pierre Olivier Joseph, who was a first over a pick by the Coyotes in last year's draft, I believe, or the year last year's draft. And then um, the Yotes received, besides Phil Kessel, uh, prospect Dane Burks in a 2021 fourth round
2: draft pick. So right. that is okay. the okay. Phil Kessel okay. trade. I mean, yeah, ultimately. So like, you know, immediate reaction. Okay, Arizona wins the Arizona wins the trade. Okay, like you were able to acquire Phil Kessel, and you you had to give up Galchenyuk in a prospect. Yeah, you prospect turned you day. turned
0: a Max Domi into Phil Kessel. Right. Exactly.
2: And that's a win, wouldn't you agree, Matt? So I mean, <sighs> yeah, but like ultimately, I mean, long term, who, who knows. Yeah, I mean ultimately Phil Kessel isn't getting any younger. I would say he's at least at the age of thirty. And so, so all right, so one thing I'll say quick is that I mean, um, you can look at
1: Kessel, especially he's, he's gonna be I think he's gonna be a good fit in Arizona because he's already been the pocket, like you guys said. Um, and then he's also a guy who just like he's a he's a goal scorer. He scores goals. That's all he does. And that's what yeah, that's what a team like Arizona needs. I mean, they haven't been obviously uh, the most elite team in probably ever, I would say. They made the playoffs, uh, I would say, maybe once or twice in recent memory. Um, but, the, last yeah. time
0: they, the last time they made it, they went all the way to the Western mm-hmm. Conference Final.
1: Yeah, but this is, this is a, a huge step in the right direction to the getting a like Kessel because if they have success this season and down the road, that's going to attract more possible free agents. Uh, it's going to make it easier for their GM to make uh, some possible deals. With, to bring guys in, so this is a good deal. Like I said, this is a really good deal for Arizona, and I think it's going to help propel them into a bit of an upswing as an organization and as a contender. Even I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far to say they're going to be a contender for the cup, but just as a better contender in the mix of the league. Um, it gives and, them a competitive edge. And I think, I think, I mean, I, I think that Arizona is a good hockey market, and if they can get a good team, then that's going to be. Almost comparable to I would say kinda Tampa lo- loosely kinda like um uh I would say Vegas where like they're not obviously they're not a new team, but it's gonna be one of those things where it'll just kinda ramp up and take off and it'll be like they'll be like they'll be loved. And I'm not saying they're not already loved because they have a, a great fan base, they've gone through a lot as an organization. With uh, like management, all that stuff. So I just think that this Kessel move is going to be a catalyst that can um, take them to the next level.
0: I agree with that. Um, another trade we can touch on, boys, real quick, is um, and we'll probably end the podcast on this stock because we're getting close to our forty-minute runtime here. But we'll end it on this with the trade that shocked everyone. Um, I was definitely surprised by because I did not see it coming. I thought the Avalanche would have held on to this certain player for another year. Um, but the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Colorado Avalanche kind of shocked the hockey world by uh, the Leafs acquired Tyson Barry and Alex Kerfoot in a 2026 round pick from the Avalanche for Nazim Kadri, Callie Rosen in a 2023 round pick. And the Avalanche are all, also retaining 50% of um, Berry's Contract for this last season. A Barry, of course, is a UFA after the upcoming season, so I doubt Toronto will have the cap space to re sign him and retain him. Um, but everyone thought that Barry was going to go to Vancouver if he got moved at all, because he's from Vancouver. He's probably going to sign there next summer. Um, but you knew the Elites were trying to trade Nazem Kadri because his time, his course of a 10 year career with the Elites had kind of run out. Um, Getting suspended in the playoffs again against the Boston Bruins again definitely rubbed a lot of people in the Toronto area the wrong way. Um, You know, overall, I guess coming from an Avalanche side, uh, they get a bona fide second line center in Cadre, and they're expecting Kale McCarr to replace Tyson Berry. And if you're Toronto Maple Leafs, now you have that other elite level defenseman on. You're replacing. You're replacing Jake Gardner with Tyson Barry. And if you ask me, Jake a, Gardner is a poor man's version of Tyson Barry. I Tyson Barry own. is an elite he's an elite puck moving defenseman who is, you know he's essentially Jake Gardner, but he doesn't have the defensive lapses in his game. And if you're in the Leafs and Kyle Dubas is saying, Hey, all my chips are in a hole. Once I re sign Mitch Marner, we're gonna contend. We're already contending for a cup, and this is the. And we're hoping that this is the extra piece that might put us over the break. Boys, your thoughts on the trade? Whoever wants to take the mic first can argue over it. Fight to the death.
1: Oh my um, I mean, I think you. I can't really say much that already's been said. Um, I think that the Maple Leafs really can't get enough defense because they've had their problems in the past. Uh, they always look for that scapegoat. Which has been Morgan Riley these past few years. Or Jake Gardner. Yeah, you I mean, you gotta feel bad for those guys to some degree because they're in such a microscope of an uh, environment.
0: It really is a fishbowl. Yeah, so, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's another great move, I think. Um, Cadry will be, I mean, it'll be kind of, he'll have to, I think,
1: adjust his game, uh, playing obviously in a different team, um, and then he's going to have different line combos that he's going to be faced off against, uh, mainly teams in the West that he may not have seen too much of before as a member of the Maple Leafs. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where you can you can obviously analyze it a lot, but it's you also just have to kind of sit back and wait and see how it kind of pans out in the first few games. Um, but I think it's a good – a I think it was probably the – I would say it was probably the, the best deal of the summer so far.
0: It um, was it was a very really even trade. Yeah, I don't think there's a clear winner.
1: I, was gonna say, I mean... Each team, these team if, if the player that they traded for um, can perform how they want them to, then I'd say it's a win-win for both organizations. Uh, that's really all I have to say about that, honestly. I don't, Jacob, don't really, have, Jacob, really have much that's
2: Any thoughts, Jacob? I mean I, I can on paper yeah I, I see the uh, I see the, the, the almost the equality of the of the deal here on either side but I just I think given the circumstance with Kadri and his just is his just what do you want to call it I mean I, I don't know like I, I feel as a Nazim Kadri is a liability. I mean I don't know I don't think I'm making a stretch when I say that I mean like is like yeah is he reliable? yeah of course like and I, I just think I definitely think that he's like a reliable and consistent second line center fine cool. I get that like you know what I mean like you know and coming from a market like Toronto you know like like you know, a lot of applied pressure you know it's a very competitive you know team very competitive you know conference we're talking here you know whatever. I mean, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good deal, I guess, for both teams. But, like, I guess the concern for me, I guess, is more so, like, t- Toronto, like, gives up a little bit of value or gives up a, a I guess, a, a legitimate amount of value in Kadri. And, I mean, who else did they send over with that? It was Qadri and Callie Rosen. He's a, 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 a depth defenseman. Mean, sure. Yeah, Callie Rosen. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, so cool. So don't forget the
0: the the
2: uh, least got out this Alex Kerfoot too. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. So you get Alex Kerfoot, right? A player that's kind of like on the upper, like has like has upside, right? So you're you're getting, I guess, for first all intents and purposes, not a prospect, but you're getting a young player with upside per se, and you're also you're you're attaining. Tyson Barry out of this. You know, in like you know, Tyson Barry's body of work has been pre-established. I mean, think of it this way. Tyson you give Tyson Barry the opportunity to play in a market like Toronto with supporting with a supporting cast. I mean, like immediately I'm saying Toronto won the trade. You know what I mean? Cuz like all, given like Kadri's issues with you know, I guess like whatever his, his demeanor is, his temper on this, whatever whatever liability he does bring to or aspect he has to his game that he brings to any given situation on a nightly basis, you know, and you know, exchanging that with the caliber of play and skill level Barry brings to any art and gel forward franchise, given the Toronto Maple Leafs, who like we've all kind of agreed and concurred with the fact that they're kinda of like they're right there. You know what I mean? It seems like 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 you said, like they have like that window. And it, like if like if you're if you're best you're gonna kind of sit there and be like, okay, well, I have it here. It's in front of me. Like you know, the time is now, essentially. So like, why not go out there and like you know, okay, if it's gonna cost me Kadri, all right, fine. I'm gonna pick up Tyson Berry, and I'm gonna get Alex Kerfoot on the same token too. And Alex Kerfoot now yeah, becomes your third line center. Right. So yeah. Like- so I mean, like, like there, you, like you're just like at that point, he's. I feel like you're filling gaps. You know, if you're taking like areas where like like you, you might have strength but essentially if you can make it like stronger or if, if you if you can get a better mold there or whatever fine why not go with that I mean I feel like it was you know it was a good trade maybe for, I would say like maybe in due time you'll, you'll see it pan out to be like a more like equally rewarding situation but like em- speaking like in immediate in an immediate time span I would say that Toronto won for sure. And like Toronto's going to gain immediate value out of it, was, only maybe for one year. Only for maybe for one year, but like ultimately, it only takes one season to win the Stanley Cup. That's very true. So I mean, but as it's cliche very, and corny very, as that sounds, true. but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm going to say that maybe Toronto gets the win right now. Right now, Toronto. You know, that's the trade. Sure, I mean, there's there's a lot that happened. I mean, we can get on to all of it, but, you know, I'm not sure if you wanted to wrap know. it up. Boys, well,
0: okay. anything else you want to add about free agency or the fires tonight? Um, Simmons back in the division. Oh, yeah. No, I do want to touch on that real quick. Does, does anyone else feel, like, slightly burned by Wayne Simmons? I don't feel burned um, by Wayne Simmons. I mean, good, good for Wayne. You went out, you got your contract, you got your money. But you spent almost 10 years in the city of Philadelphia. There had to be other teams around here that offered you a contract, probably with similar money. But you're going to sign with a division rival, a team you're supposed to hate. No, it's not Pittsburgh. If if Simmons signed with Pittsburgh, I'd be like, all right, everyone should burn your Simmons jerseys now. I can, like, okay, you sign with New Jersey, great, cool. But, Um, like, dude, like, you're kind of spitting in the face of a fan base that loves you still. Like, now you're going from being um, a cheer... He definitely gets booed next year at Wells Fargo Center. He sure? might get cheered. If Richardson Carter got booed when they returned with the Kings, a country, a team across the country, Simmons is getting booed for signing with the Devils. I personally, I'll cheer him his first time home opener when he announced Wayne Simmons. I'll give a cheer the first time. I'll stand up for a standing O for his video tribute, which I'm sure he'll get. But after that, I'm doing it, okay. dude. You could have signed anywhere else for five million bucks I mean, for one okay, season. But you, think it but like you chose the, Flyers the New the, Jersey Devils.
2: The Flyers could have made that deal happen easily. too.
0: Flyers weren't going
2: to pay him five million bucks. I know, but I'm, I'm just saying. Flyers should have really when the, the, the cap space signed five million. The for five million. You, 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 given given the Hayes situation and what have you, they, they could have worked that out in hindsight. If they if they really wanted to, if they if like if, like, if loyalty is there. And it, it, if the, the ties are strong, like, it could have been, you know, maybe a little bit of flexibility, like some shifting, fine. Like, they could have worked it out. But ultimately, I mean, like, you know, hockey's a businessman. I mean, like. Oh, yeah, and the,
0: the Flyers were Simmons going to sign Simmons.
2: Simmons, to go, Simmons, went where he, Simmons went where he was going to receive the value he could he But could he deep self-worthy. Now, good for Simmer. If he comes
0: out and he has a 30-goal season again for the Devils and he proves everyone, hey, great, last year was a down year, good on you, Simmer. But then you're still 31 years old, and averages play
2: out that you're going to decline. I mean, is it it disappointing that he's a devil now? Yeah, of course. Is it disappointing that P.K. Subban's a devil now? Certainly.
0: The devils don't scare me at all. I am not at all frightened by the New Jersey devil's skill. You added added Wayne Simmons, who based on last year, is a show of his former self. You added P.K. Subban, who is a show of his former self. And besides that, besides Taylor Hall and Nico Heishier, you have an unproven Jack Hughes, and then really nothing else.
2: That's
0: based on what I've seen. <laughs> I, 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 to pull to pull a mat line, I'm a results guy.
2: Maybe, maybe a quiet year,
0: but like. I just the Devils don't scare we're, me. We're talking about an elite No, and if, if personally, my standpoint right here. This is, is going to be a hot. Take this microphone. The is the is now. No, the Flyers. I think none of the teams in the Metro scare me. None of them scare me right now. No, I think the Flyers are just as good as the Penguins.
2: Artemi They're Panarin's just... offensive threat doesn't he's, he's already been in, in the Rangers. division with
0: Columbus. We've had him in our division for a couple years.
2: Yeah, but he's right in the backyard now.
0: You still played him six times with the Columbus Blue Jackets. You're not increasing that time you see Artemi Panarin. None of the teams in our division scare us. The Islanders got worse. The Pit, pe- the Penguins, got worse. The Rangers added Panarin, but other than that, stayed the same. The Devils added Simmons and Subban. Okay, slight bump, but the rest of your team is still hot garbage. Um, the Hurricanes, yeah, they they brought in Aho, but they haven't changed. They've lost half their goalie tandem. You know they they signed Morazic, but the now sheeted. you're looking for another. They, and they got and they got Rhymer. Rhymer. They're matching the off sheet for Aho. The rest of the rest of this division does not scare me. The Flyers have are really the only team that I look at on paper that actually improved their NHL on ice product dramatically. So I personally, me personally, they're on par with everyone else in the division. You might be speaking a little
2: less right there. I will say, as a fan, as a Flyers fan. It comes across very Based wise. on
0: the faith that I have in my team and the players they added and the players we currently have, they are just as good as any other team in the Metropolitan Division. I, I, I have with, with a healthy Carter Hart in net for a full season and Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier, the way they're playing along with our defense, with having Pro-Robin and Ghost the additions, everyone coming back and
2: having a good year, they are just as good as every other team in this division. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it makes them contenders, but I'm going to dispute the 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 idea that you have with the Rangers and the Devils. I feel like anytime you add PK Subban to anyone's roster, you're instantaneously making it better. Am I, I a mean, fan? They're better. Speaking yes, honestly, but yes. he's not the
0: same player he was a couple years ago.
2: I don't know. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll argue about that. I digress. But I mean, Timmy oh, Jacob a, that Jacob, was... Jacob Truba? That's not adding instantaneous. Truba's a second pair defenseman. That's not adding depth and skill. Truba is a 2nd pair defenseman. He's a one In the NHL, two. yeah. Yeah, but the Flyers... You need, to, you need, okay, the you Rangers, need two good the pairings Rangers this
0: week. The Rangers two have pairings. two defensemen. They have Brady Shea and Jacob Truba. That's it. Their address their defense is trash. Hmm. They need the other four defensemen on the Rangers squad. You can't do it unless you go on your phone. But, man, I digress. That was a hot take. Maybe we should resume this next week, boys. What do you think? It'll be a good cliffhanger for our fans.
2: I won't have I I to hear it next week, so I, might I, have to do a bye week. I, I you know? picked the wrong
0: time to add that, to pick that bone in. Um, the Matt, do you, have, do you have any closing thoughts at all before I kind of hijacked the show at the last minute?
1: Uh, my closing thought is we will see what happens on
0: the ice. Results guy. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: But um, Jake, any other closing thoughts? before you return to us in the two weeks. going
2: to have an overwhelming return to and you're all going to
0: eat shit. All right, and if I have to eat shit, I will eat shit.
2: But I digress. Um, going to be the Flyers' worst nightmare. As is Panarin. Uh, we will be back at
0: some point. Um, I, I'm not sure about what's going on next week for the podcast. I have to talk to the two gentlemen. I know Jacob will be on vacation. Hey, and, I, cool. and I will be house-sitting. Uh, So we will will try and figure something out. If not, we'll be back the week prior. Uh, Everyone have a safe and happy 4th of July. Um, Party responsibly or irresponsibly. Do what you want to do. But for Jake and for Matt, that's going to be it for this week's episode of 5-Minute Major. Um, Hope everyone goes, since we weren't on Facebook Live tonight, everyone, please listen to the podcast. Shoot any three of us a text, Facebook message Let us, what you think of this week's episode, and um, let's go Flyers. Go Flyers.